0: Look It's the intro. It's roll. It's rolling, right? It's raw, 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 rolling. Here we go. I don't know how to play guitar. <laughs> <laughs> is
1: that a Johnny Cash song? So,
2: House of the Rising Sun. Yeah.
0: I'm missing a string. There is
1: a house. Uh, <laughs> Instant <laughs> City. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody,
2: mm. welcome back to the Corridor Podcast.
0: Was that our intro? Yeah. Was that our intro? I'm missing a string it sucks, but it's cool, it's the intro. We know you guys don't come here for the intros, but they do brighten up your day. <laughs> so, What's Jake, up
2: everyone? Jake has uh, recently had a baby. Uh, that's right. That's the big announcement. A little girl named Claire, and that is why we were without his banjo
1: tunes at the beginning of this podcast. That's right, she was born just a few days ago, right? hmm yeah. yeah. Surprise everyone.
2: Jake <laughs> just had his
1: third baby.
0: Yeah, yep. he's got three of them now. Yeah, What's now 2 three,
2: two, one for the number of babies. Three, two, one, zero. <laughs> three, two, one,
0: zero. It's a beautiful, perfect countdown.
2: I do wonder who the next person at corridor to have a child will be.
1: Who knows? Who
2: knows? Well,
0: probably someone who is married.
1: Not necessarily. No one here has
0: <laughs> children out of wedlock in the studio. But we have a very—it's in our mission statement. <laughs> <laughs> We're a strict Catholic organization. Yeah. <laughs> It's probably going to be Dean. (laughs) (laughs) Young father. Young child-beater Dean father. Oh, shoot. Maybe he shouldn't. (laughs) Uh, That's such an unfortunate nickname that we've given him. Sorry, Dean. Well, it's only because he beats up Ness and all the Smash Brothers games, a.k.a. Clint.
1: And I guess we'll talk a lot more about that in the next podcast. Yeah, the next,
2: next podcast will be about our office culture and why Smash has become the dominant part of it. Don't worry, if you're not into Smash, it'll still be a good podcast because you're going to hear more about rivalries and fights and all that good stuff than you've ever thought possible. But that's not what we're
1: talking about in this podcast. What are we talking about today, Nico?
2: In this podcast, we're going to talk about something that we touched upon in a recent Visual Effects Artist React episode that I've really been wanting to talk about more. And it's the idea of visual effects that don't have impact versus visual effects that do have impact. And kind of the idea of you know a company spending all this time and money and manpower and talent on visual effects but other things around that aren't necessarily executed to the same degree. You know, when you go and you watch a cool movie and there's a simple VFX shot and it hits you emotionally, why does that hit you so emotionally versus other times you go and you watch, say, like, you know, a giant superhero movie. And don't get me wrong, there's effect shots in superhero movies that are mind-blowing also, but there'll be crazy shots that just kind of fly by and you don't feel anything. And it feels like, you know, you have 500 amazing artists working on one shot and, like, three artists working on another shot and somehow the art the other shot with just a couple artists can be better now that's not always the case but i want to talk a little little bit about this strange disconnect that you see in films especially these days between you know visual effects and spectacle versus like something actually gripping you emotionally and why that happens and how it can be
1: you know addressed and all that yeah
0: i mean who has the answers to that one
1: well like a a I mean, separate from the story side of things, just when you have an entire movie that's visual effects—basically any Marvel film in the mm-hmm. last ten years—it's uh, you know it's just an onslaught of just constant VFX shots. <laughs> it's like it's we're getting to a point where there's parity between the number of shots in a movie and the number of visual effects shots in that yeah. same movie.
0: It's Marvel like, films are practically animated, practically the same, know? right? Yeah, practically animated. Well, uh, but that that's great because it comes full circle and it's <laughs> not visual effects based anymore in a weird way where it's just like. Yeah. Here's the story, and we need visual effects to tell it. And it's not like a thing that's impressing anyone anymore.
1: But yeah. I, I touched on this in my TED talk last year, a little bit about that because it's like you know the monster flicks, the the action films, the or the destruction films. You know, like uh, what was it 2012? Yeah, Battle L.A. Uh, yeah, I mean those then, that movies... new one with The Rock, where like San Andreas, San Andreas or whatever. <laughs> you know, like it, on the surface, the movie is not hiding what it's trying to be. It's supposed to be like a popcorn action flick. Turn off your brain, quote-unquote, and just enjoy the fun Enjoy the spectacle. half hour of
2: Houdini simulations. Yeah.
1: <laughs> which, don't get me wrong, I enjoy that sort I'm of thing. I'm into that, too. It's yeah. I, like pr- it's... I prefer that in a, in a non- story sense. Like, I'd prefer to watch just a VFX breakdown reel of San Andreas rather than actually watching San Andreas. <laughs> I guess
0: so. <laughs> I, agree I mean, but, like, 2012 yeah. is awesome. You know, it's like, it, but they, those movies solve the problem that, like, superhero movies have, which is, like, Oh, we have to have a it has to be a really big deal when this whole like city simulation explosion thing happens. And those movies are just like, no, that's that's like every scene. Every scene is just another insane Well, event 2012 like was
2: this. directed by arguably the master of disaster films, Roland Emmerich.
0: Yeah. The
2: same man that brought you Independence Day.
1: Did he direct that or produce it?
2: He directed it. Yeah, he I directed it. it.
1: But uh this reminds me of the uh, one of the best uh definitions or analogies I've heard about the idea of Diminishing returns. And Let's say you have 10 chocolate bars Mm -hmm. and you have to eat all 10. Great. That sounds amazing, (laughs) right? I get to eat candy bars because I have to? Fantastic. Well, the first one is delicious. The second (laughs) one's also pretty good. The third one, you're like, okay, I'll finish this one. The fourth one, you're starting to be like, you know, I could take (laughs) it or leave it, but you finish it. And then the fifth one, you're only halfway through all the candy bars you got to eat. But the fifth one, you're starting to be like, I'm kind of done. I don't want any more. And the sixth one, you're just like, vomiting
2: <laughs> yeah you know it's also like the the saturation of like spectacle shots and movies kind of reminds me of like imagine you're watching a david blaine magic special right i love david blaine yeah i love david blaine too he's amazing he turns to the camera and he goes all right watch this i'm mean, gonna give this person this. a deck of cards They're gonna take one card out of it they're not gonna show me any of it i'm just gonna tell them what card it is it's gonna blow their minds and he goes all right and he sets it up and he works the mood and he hands them the deck and he's like no way he's gonna pull this off he set up he's set up the craziest situation And then the person takes out a card and just goes, it's the five of clubs. The person's like, oh my God, it is. And they turn around and you're like, wow, that's crazy. How did you do that trick? Now that's cool, right? That'd be a really cool video. I honestly
1: think there is nothing cooler than watching like proximity magic tricks. Right. Like, Now imagine instead though, (laughs) if the David Blaine magic special is him just going up to a person
2: and be like, think of a card, five of clubs, think of a card, jack of diamonds, think of a card, ten of spades, think of a card, ace of hearts. And everyone's like, wow, that's it. It was just that over and over for like an hour. that's (laughs) still magic and it's still a crazy effect but it's like whoa okay there pump the brakes buddy (laughs) like cool you're guessing cards and i don't know how you're doing it but man you're hitting me with a lot of card guesses all at the same time and just there's no story and you're not pulling me into it i feel like it's the same thing with visual effects you know these days at least in those big films where it's just like man after the 800th explosion on screen it's like eh. Yeah, candy bars. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this all started because we were watching Tron for Visual Effects
1: Artist React. And depending on when this podcast goes up, that Visual Effects React episode may or may not already be online. Probably not yet. What's close
0: to it? If it's not out yet, it's coming very quickly. Yeah.
1: So yeah, we did a whole episode talking about the original Tron in 1982 compared to the most recent Tron, which came out in 2010. Basically a complete 30-year gap between the two movies and a lot of technical achievements that happened in between. Yeah.
2: And one of the things that we were looking at was, you know, there's a couple of shots in the original Tron that are very basic shots, but they have a lot of impact. Um, I mean, they're not all necessarily that basic, but they're like, they're very focused. And when they they pop onto the screen, you're like, wow, that's really cool. And there's the later Tron, which does don't get me wrong, does have some cool shots. But there's a lot of shots that are like mind blowing technical achievements, but they don't hit the same way as the shots in the first Tron. And the
1: question is, why is
2: that? Why
1: don't they hit the same way? So I, I, I wonder if maybe they kind of do, but then they just never let up. So it's like the first time you go into the Tron world, especially if, you're, if you've if you been watching the movie and not just like, you know, skipping through it for a VFX Artist React episode. <laughs> uh, so you're like, in the world, you just spent the last, you know, 15, 20 minutes in the real life and all the political company stuff that whatever happens in that movie, right? Uh, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, bam, cool neon lights all around the world. And you're like, whoa. But then... The movie has to maintain that world though, you know? Yeah, they can't yeah. just be like, hey, visual effect shot, that's that was cool, right? Well now, uh, that's all you get.
0: You know? I mean it happens <laughs> We're just once in a room. it happens once in the film and it's in the very beginning. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, there's plot, exposition, he gets zapped into the movie, and then regardless of how good the movie is, really, you know what I mean, how good the exposition in the story is, that first moment when those like little Inquisitors, or whatever they're called, excavators. Steel inquisitors.
2: Uh, it's the recognizers.
0: Recognizers. Yeah, <laughs> those are the little blocky staple spaceships.
1: <laughs> the staples. When, the flying when, when, staples. When he gets
0: picked up on that and flies into the city, that's awesome. You know, and mm-hmm. and it comes down to like, like regardless of how much you're into the story, that one works because that's why you turned the movie. On, you know, you mm-hmm. wanted to see that moment. We're in real life, and now whoa, we're in this crazy new universe. And so that's satisfying on all levels, no matter who you are, because you've made it this far in the film. you have That's the shot you've came here to see, you know? So, What
1: about them light cycles?
0: Well, but that's the thing. That's also where it ends, too. You know what I mean? Like, now we're here. Yay. The big reveal. It's over. And now something else has to drive this film other than, look at this new cool reveal of this next area or thing or whatever, because... We're there, you know? Mm -hmm. There's no... It's like Disney World. Wow, Disney World. It's like 15 minutes of exposition. We're going to Disney World. We got our tickets. You take time off school, kids? Yes, we did. Oh, here we go. We're on the plane. We're coming here. Disney World, yeah. It's like, boom. And it's like, well, now what happens? Now (laughs) you're going to just like... Just constantly show huge reveal shots of Disney World, <laughs> like for an, another like hour. You know, it's it's like you, there's something else has to happen.
1: I mean, I did really enjoy the light cycle sequence as as a sequence within the movie, but I think the main problem with the movie is that the actual story and plot doesn't match that level of like yeah. world building, and which fidelity. happens all the time. Yeah,
2: Avatar is my biggest disappointment in that regard.
1: I loved Avatar. I'm not saying it's a bad movie. That that's that's a thing. Freddie said it best. He says a simple story told well is better than a complicated story that might be better but not told well.
0: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it's not even about expectations or anything. It's just simply like setting up characters and stakes that you want to see happen or achieved or whatever. And they can be simple. And I mean, I I I watched Avatar and I liked it. You know, it was it was cool. It was fun to watch. It's it wasn't. I wasn't like. <sighs> This is a stupid movie, blah blah, blah fish people. You know, but, but like... a lot of
1: people did think it was a stupid movie. Nico, you just said that you were disappointed in it. Uh, why was that? Yeah, well, my disappointment
2: came came from the realm of, you know, they developed this visual technology and all this rendering capability, and spent all these years on it. <laughs> yeah, I spent years on it, um, to just, you know, to give me the same kind of reheated storyline, and you know, it's it feels like the story and the time that went into the script it feels like. One or two people, maybe three or four, sat down for a couple months and wrote the script. And they had, like, a thousand people sit down for five years and do the visual effects. And just the the imbalance there is what disappoints me because I end up seeing a film that is visually stunning with, like, visuals that are far beyond anything else that's ever been in theaters. But I've seen the story before. I've seen it a million times. So sure. There wasn't really anything inventive about it. And, like, I get it that some people are like, they're cool with that. I mean, and that's there what they there want. is
0: some inventive stuff in it, actually. Yeah, I, there's there's like
2: inventive moments.
0: In like there's inventive, inventive concepts, which are like this whole like like body uh, like hosting like the host body kind of concept, like an avatar, and like yeah, <laughs> like tra- transferring your mind and like fun scenes that play off of that, like where one person's trapped in stasis, controlling a body that's elsewhere, and they're like helpless and coming. You know, it's like there is like there yeah, there's sci-fi concepts that we have quote unquote seen in other stories, but. Compared to, like, what, like, Avengers, which is, like, a big portal. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. It, 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 it's, like, <laughs> yeah. A big
2: portal. <laughs> I, think, I think the best example of what, what I feel like needs to happen in the industry is what happened with uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. You know, there's a story that is truly unique. There is no other Spider Man story like that, unless it's been pulled from a comic book, but obviously that's not what I'm referring to. Like, there's not another movie where it's like, oh yeah, that's this plot from Spider Verse. Like, no, the Spider Verse story is wholly unique to that movie. And then it is paired with visuals that are also wholly unique to that movie. And it feels like the amount of effort that went into conceiving the film. Equals the amount of effort that went into visually directing
0: the film as well. Sure. Well. I mean, but I could also say Spider-Verse has been done before. It's like Bill it and hasn't. Bill and Ted's excellent adventure.
2: It's not really the same You know, though. it's
0: like it's like kind of similar, where it's like there's so. a metaverse <laughs> concept where you're drawing characters <laughs> from different universes into your it's like you know I don't know about just, I don't like, know about that. they
2: those are pretty like they're maybe roughly similar from like a vague distance if you squint your eyes. They're not nearly as similar as Avatar and Pocahontas.
0: Sure. Or the other I mean,
2: 10 films that follow the same plot line.
0: I know, but but do you want a thousand people to write a story? You know what I mean? Like, do you want thousands of people and thousands of hours to make this collaborative document that kind of gets probably washed out and evened out by like too many voices? What I want is a story stuff. that
2: has as much creativity and refinement and inventiveness and achievement as the visual effects do. You know?
0: Like, name a movie that has. All that inventiveness.
2: I just did Spider Verse. Spider Man into the Spider Verse.
0: Well, it's that's just it's just kid who has self esteem issues and his high school problems has different Spider Man help him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not exactly. <laughs> Have you
2: seen the movie?
0: Yeah, that, I mean that's kind of it. It's basically <laughs> I'm Spider Man. Also, they are also Spider Man.
2: I mean, to me, I think and this is a little bit of a part. I, I, I love the movie. I love it,
0: but I'm just trying to get a little reductive to like play around here with this idea.
2: Well, I feel like generally any, mo- any good sci-fi movie, in my opinion, needs to have a premise that creates a story that can only exist with that premise. Like if you're going to make a weird premise. Like let's say you do the matrix, right? The world is a simulation. And then you go in there and then you tell a romantic comedy that has nothing to do with the simulation. Then it's like, why does this exist as a sci-fi film? You know? And I feel like a lot of films end up falling into that where they create these crazy worlds and then the story they go in, they do doesn't need that world to exist. The story could exist without that world. And to me, that's just because they're kind of just writing by the numbers when they write the script. Um, Whereas there's, there's films like, you know, Spider-Man into the spider verse that cannot exist without the world of the spider verse world. You know, like the avatar story can kind of exist without the, the avatar world to some degree. Um, It just needs to be, you know, one person visiting another group of people and they're at different technology levels and so on and so forth. And you have a war because one side has the resource the other, you know, wants, but like, you know, to take this back to Tron, you know, you see his crazy visual effects, but the story is just like, characters looking for his dad. <laughs> it's just like the, the creativity on one level doesn't match up with the creativity on the other level. And it, to me, it's a little bit of a tragic thing about modern filmmaking is that that kind of occurs in films. You have just these like massive human achievements combined with just by the numbers script writing
1: it happens with video games too all the time how much of that do you think is because writing is way more difficult than most people realize it's incredibly hard yeah like good writing is incredibly hard uh because it's it's hard to judge how good something is when it's when it's like so implicitly uh judged you know it's like it's hard yeah. to tell the difference be- like what is better between these two amazing scripts. It's like which one's better. It's hard to say. Whereas with visual effects, you know, it's it's a little easier to judge how good they are because it's like, is it realistic? Mm-hmm. Is it impactful? Like, there's a there's a bunch of explicit uh, check boxes that you can check off when it comes to something like how something looks.
2: I totally agree. I think I think a lot of people really do underestimate how hard writing is. I think the other thing that people <clears throat> underestimate also within the industry is. To be a good writer, to be a truly, truly good writer, like accomplished, you can't just write. You need to shoot, you need to direct, you need to act. You need to have experienced filmmaking because films are not a written medium. They're a visual medium. And if as a writer you only exist in the written world, you won't write a good film. Because films need to have images paired. Like, a good film can usually be told without words, you know? So a good writer should be able to write a movie without dialogue but if if you don't have an idea of how to visually tell a story if you don't have an idea of how to pull these different units together if you don't have an idea of how an actor puts a twist on a character if basically you don't know how the system works it's hard to write and a lot of times you know at least some some starting writers don't necessarily have that full breadth of achievement of experience which it's obviously it takes years and years and years to build up something like that
0: sure yeah i mean it's 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 a it's a really subjective thing ultimately i feel like it's I think when I think just going back to this Tron example, like I think you can boil it down to just the fact that the story here is it's. I think the South Park guys had the whole like you know, but kind of like writing rule where it's like the but writing rule where you want to be stringing your events and moments together with the word but.
1: Like, are we talking one? This happened,
0: but then this happened, okay. versus this happened, and then this happened. Because the word but basically implies, well, something unexpected is going to come up here. So Some sort of conflict. conflict. It's kind of like an
1: impro- improv when you have like, <clears throat> yes, and, you know, you're always trying to add something to the scene. So right. that's like another version of that, I guess, right?
0: Exactly, and it's not just about additive story here, where it's, it's about like actual expectations and stuff like that. And, you know, the Tron movie is, uh, I think, the and version where – from the onset of the piece, there is every, every the first time you meet characters, they are clearly defined for the rest of the piece. You know, there's, there's not like... There's like a little backstabbing here and there, maybe. Yeah, not really. But it's basically, here's a bunch of clearly defined characters. We know exactly what they want and how they're going to act in all these situations. And then we just throw scenes into the pot and everything is exactly how you expect it to go and then it ends. And so you're not invested you're not surprised your expectations are not met so on and so forth
3: Well, once again, it's that time in the podcast where I tell you about today's episode sponsor Storyblocks. Now you may have noticed they keep sponsoring this podcast and that's because they keep offering an awesome tool for content creators. Do you have an Instagram account? Do you post photos or videos on it? Do you have a YouTube channel? Are you an aspiring filmmaker? Are you a filmmaker already? Well, guess what? Storyblocks has something for everybody in those categories. They are the one-stop shop for all of your stock asset needs. They have b-roll, after effects templates, sound effects, motion graphics and more, it's all royalty free and it comes in high quality 4K. They also are constantly updating their site and their library with new footage and new assets. And the best part is with an all access plan, you get unlimited downloads that can be used for any type of project. So whether it's a commercial or it's something for YouTube that you're monetizing or whatever it might be, you download it, you put it in your video and you move on with your day. Whew, that's a lot of information but if you guys are interested interested head on over to storyblocks.com slash corridor cast if you've already been there and you've already signed up well then i mean tell a friend you better have learned a lesson here i want you to know storyblocks is the one-stop shop for all your stock asset needs storyblocks.com slash corridor back to the podcast
1: so in the example of uh tron legacy what would be the difference between
0: story and plot i mean had it's, it's so hard to and we're getting like okay, it well then, kind of in gets general, into the weeds.
1: In general, what what's like the biggest uh, defining factor of okay a plot. story or okay, pl- a plot?
0: Okay, so plot is oh now we have to race these motorcycles, now we have to throw frisbees, now uh, there's secret agents in our nightclub, now there's this you know it's like those that's plot basically yeah. events. You know th- these are like kind of, event. of events. Wikipedia entries. Well, it's like <laughs> let's say I'm designing a D and D campaign where I'm like, all right, well. There's a motorcycle racetrack over here. If they wish to compete, you know, they can sign up for that. We have another event over here. There's a frisbee game here. And there's also a nightclub here. And I have maybe a cool thing planned where, like, maybe the bad guys will attack them in this area. But they can go through the stuff in any order they want, whatever. But the story is what drives them to get there and what drives them to go to the next place. It's not just like, you guys want to race motorcycles? Sure. You know, let's, <laughs> let's. Let's race, okay? It's not like it's like we have to race these motorcycles, or else blank, you know? Or, yeah. or, we, or we need or, to
2: win the trophy, because within that trophy is the key. To or unlocking. I need a
0: thousand dollars to buy some new bones,
2: and it just so happens
0: that we'll win a thousand dollars by entering this light cycle competition. Thousand dollars
1: so, is enough to get you ten sets of bones. It's like yeah, it's
0: like it's it's like yeah, exactly. It's, I know, as per, as per the canon, I know I slipped up on that one, but it's you know the story is the thing that goes beyond these events, the thing that pulls you into them and then through them and then onto the next thing and you know like i think that's that's my definition anyways it's like the guy who whatever he didn't teleport into the tron universe to race light cycle bikes he wasn't like you know what's gonna be sweet throwing frisbees and motorcycles (laughs) you know you know no that wasn't it yet when those scenes come up it feels kind of like so yeah why, why are we doing this again
1: that makes sense to me. So its its story is. I mean, everyone always says the story is the most important factor of a movie or any sort of story. Mm-hmm. But like, I think that's just accentuated here because I, I feel like the story of Tron Legacy wasn't strong enough to justify the the plot or the world or everything the around it. The
2: Majesty of the visuals. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Exactly. 'Cause I,
0: I love the aesthetic of Tron Legacy. I thought oh, yeah, it was super too. cool. No, yes, exactly. That's why I went to see it. I was like, I wanna see what this whole is. Dude, yeah, when that movie first about... got like
1: announced, or, or rather when the like the trailers were dropping, just leading up to the movie actually coming out, like everyone was so hyped. Daft Punk did the entire score, everyone loved Daft Punk. Uh this movie is gonna be amazing, and then everyone was kind of just like, eh.
0: Yeah. I mean, the scene But it's in, like, it looks so good.
1: How could you possibly have that reaction of, eh?
0: I know, right? It's
1: because it doesn't matter unless the story's good.
2: Exactly. You, you
0: gave me too many candy bars. Too many candy bars. <laughs> with, with, uh, like, when we were reviewing this, the scene in the nightclub where there's like, the ninja fight, every <laughs> single time it cut to the Daft Punk guys like bobbing their heads up in the little window, it's like, they could have replaced that with a billboard that said Pepsi.
3: You know what I mean? And I would
0: have felt the exact same way. Like, why are you cutting to this? Like, okay, I get it. They're here. Like, okay. You know, it's like, it, it felt like a brand, like a sponsorship of the film or something. You know what I mean? Where it's like, you're not like, cool. There they are. It's like, I mean, kind of. That was the idea. It was like, cool, there it, they just are. Like, it's just placed poorly. It's just placement. It's, Without it's, intention. It's, pre- it's basically product placement in a weird way, where it's completely mm-hmm. irrelevant to anything that's happening.
2: Like, <laughs> if they would have maybe, like, been involved...
0: Period beyond just like <laughs> yeah, like just that like maybe them. a scene where they have to get a microchip from their DJ station or some crap you know or like yeah, I mean turn up the music so uh, that, like some guy can't it, talk it was or... just like no these people are fighting for their lives apparently because one of them is trying to find their father and you're cutting to Daft Punk bobbing their heads like nothing's happening
1: also don't forget <laughs> through the entirety of that sequence everyone's like fighting and dying that one dude uh, there's from... a shot of
0: a person crying and picking up the pieces of the loved <laughs> <That's> one <right. laughs> See, and, yeah, then, it and then it cuts the Daft Punk going like blah, 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 blah and it's just like what the fuck is going on
1: there was that that dude who's just constantly dancing and laughing at everyone dying i forget what his deal is like who this character is and why he's just so nonchalant about all that but like whatever i forget i forget (laughs) the dude's name he's he's been in a lot of things uh like underworld anyway he yeah he was just like "Ah." yeah it, it felt
2: weird yeah i think well it's just that disconnect once again between like the artistry going to one aspect of the film was not matched by like the artistry going to the other aspect of the film. Like the effort that went into like, how can we incorporate death Punk into the scene? Like that was a
1: one minute decision as a, I'll just cut to them.
2: <laughs> you know, like,
1: how that's much it. of that is due to the director versus the, the writing probably a bunch Well, and the producers most likely. Sure.
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a relationship
0: yeah. for sure, but like, I don't know, like after being through this stupid process so many times at this point, it's like you, it's like if you have the forethought, if you have the time to really think about stuff before going onto a set like this, you can usually make that kind of stuff work or figure it out so it's placed in a way that makes sense.
2: Well, that's also assuming you have the freedom to then make the change. Because that's the thing is like you go onto that set and you go like, okay, we got Daft Punk today. Uh, how can we incorporate them? You know, it just in the script it just said insert Daft Punk. So it's like, okay, now we're on set and here's Daft Punk. How can I incorporate them? It's like, well, it'd be cool if I did this. Maybe I could do this. Okay, let's let's tweak these shots. Let's add additional. We'll tweak the script. But you don't get any of that freedom in a film like this when things are that expensive.
1: Yeah, and I wonder if it's something. And this is obviously pure, un, uh, just speculation here. I'm, I'm making this up. But like, what if it was something along the lines of, all right, Daft Punk? It was in their agreement, their Most contract, likely. that like they just had a cameo. No, no much involvement in the movie uh they would score the whole thing they just had to be in the film for a little bit and maybe they were just like we don't want to do anything more than just kind of sit here and dj yeah well, why not pick a funnier
0: scene or a better scene to do that than like some, a life-or-death situation. Because I mean, it'd
1: probably be, like, out of place. Here's how I would
2: do it. I mean, how much
0: it, funnier they, if they go to Jeff Bridges' house in the Cyberverse, <laughs> death and, and, the,
3: and they're that just, like, be playing awesome. beats in
0: the background and they're like, "Sup up, guys? And that's it. That'd be and great. Great. That's already that He's, awesome. like, what a baller. What a... He just has them trapped in a box playing music from." it's like that's way funnier <laughs> no I, I actually agree with you yeah, right that there. That's, great. that's
2: a good solution or you know if you gotta keep them in the nightclub scene use them in the intro of the nightclub scene you know dude walks on the floor everything's dark boom daft bunk hits play lights come on people start dancing it's like sick it's a nightclub with daft bunk okay continue the scene you know that at least would incorporate them into the emotional flow yeah. of the scene yeah. i guess what
1: i'm getting at is we have no idea what's going on dictating the terms behind <laughs> the scenes Right. But I think it's just regardless of that, it's, you know, it's no excuse to filmmaking. At the end of the day, the product is the product. Yeah. You know,
2: I agree. You know, I feel like there's another aspect of this, too, like in terms of getting people to be impressed by your visuals, which is we experienced this with videos on Corridor. If we make something so polished or too polished, people critique it on a different level.
1: Like we've had people say, like, your effects are better than Hollywood, which Hmm. objectively is not true. (laughs) no it's i always feel embarrassed when i see those comments like oh you guys are doing better than hollywood i'm like i don't think you know what you're talking about but don't (laughs) don't get me wrong
2: though there are effect shots in hollywood movies that don't look as good as effect shots that we have done i would agree with that yeah You know, there's we've had CG blend better than, you know, CG in Hollywood films.
1: But from an overall standpoint, especially from a technical standpoint, the effects in Hollywood are better. I mean, the VFX supervisor at Weta Digital, Matt Akin, complimented us on our Boss Town video. He was like, that was an amazing video. You guys know what you're doing. The visual effects hold up.
0: Yeah. All right, better. (laughs)
1: This
2: (laughs) is the guy who oversaw Avengers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which is great. It's amazing. It's super flattering. Though the thing is, what's weird is when you step your you're polished down a little bit and becomes a little more amateur and you can kind of feel like, oh, it's a dude who made this. Mm-hmm. Like, that's when people say our effects are better than Hollywood and then when we step our game up and we get really polished and we try to bring it to Hollywood level, that's when people go, Ugh, it's not as good. Well, wait, help, give me an example of that. I mean, one example. Child of Mordor. What's that? Shadow of Mordor. Shadow of Mordor. Yeah, sure. Well,
0: I, was I don't think it was the effects necessarily in that piece.
2: Or people pointing out like Clint's foot clipping on the robot in the first Boston Dynamics video. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, you know it's. I mean, there's yeah,
0: there's always examples. Of sure, there's errors, errors and the stuff. I think it's just really just the thing of like wh- who are you competing with, so to speak. Where it's like if you're, it's well, not just the effects itself, but it's like the concept of the whole production. Where yeah, you invite. I mean, yeah. you
2: invite that level of scrutiny when you try to, to go, make it.
0: Yeah, if you're trying to go, this is real. You know, like that—that that means if you're saying this is real, either it's a parody, well, not a parody, but it's like you're trying to literally fool someone into thinking it's real, like the Boston videos, which he successfully did. So, we're great. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the thing is, when it comes to like stuff that's truly narrative, not like
1: yeah, okay, here, here's I, that was a, what here's I was a video say.
0: with jokes, haha, this is funny. The end. Like that's not it. It's like the Shadow of Mordor of the world, or the stuff where it's like, here's a new universe, believe it's real we're gonna bring you on a little journey through this universe and then something weird looking pops up that's not utterly convincing it shakes the whole thing up and you're out and so it's it really depends on like where you are in that narrative ladder from like like parody or comedy to like something that's dramatic that i think is what's truly dictating it so like
1: what's an example of a serious short film that has a lot of visual effects that are meant to be like High grade, like this is supposed to be pretty good, uh, versus fart attack.
0: Well, that <laughs> one's clearly it can be anything it wants to be because it's well, dudes farting saying. on the street flying around. Like, no one, I mean, the realism there is is like less of a matter than just the concept in a weird way. Well, I that's, guess, no, maybe? my point
1: is because of the nature of that video, you can you, we could have had way crappier effects in that film. No, pun and intended. It, oh my god, <laughs> whoa, but like they and they could have been worse you know and the video would have been just as good although part of the video is like oh wow look at those smoke simulations that was kind of the the video right
0: the other half i mean sometimes the other the other half of this is sometimes things get funnier if you do put more work into them where it's like (laughs) here's a a video about guys farting and check this out we're gonna take our computers here and set up some semi-advanced like smoke simulations that are gonna take hours and hours to simulate or vape god yeah or vape you know it's like there's something funny behind with like seeing a dumb concept like brought to a point of like excellence of in some way, you know, mm-hmm. where you're like,
1: which I'd say we excel at <laughs>
0: over here know, at corridor. You know, that's our, that's our
1: bread and butter, taking yeah. a stupid concept and making it epic.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But,
0: but that's part of the comedy, which is seeing how over the top you can get.
2: But you uh, you do lose something when you make something so polished and so refined that you lose the concept of an artist being behind it like yeah when you can see like oh one person did this and this is really good i could theoretically do it if i spent as much time learning how to use the program as that person did versus this was made by f- literally 500 people and i have no concept of how this is made it's cool looking oh, yeah. but like i can't feel the human i mean but are you what so, so,
0: okay so let's say uh okay give me a movie that's too polished well no i think, <laughs> a <movie that's> too <laughs> no, I think you're like it should avatar have been like or maybe no, maybe Clue and Tron, the head should have been at like 21 videos. frames per second and <laughs> skip frames every once in a while. Or...
2: I think more more to the point is like, for example, Or like this. the textures
0: get, get low res when
2: you get close if I, to If face. I showed you a single frame from the Avengers, not from like the big epic final shot, but just any part of the movie that's just a technical achievement. But, you know, it's like a shot of a spaceship, right? If I show you that one frame and then you sat down and watch somebody take a pencil and draw a photoreal rendering of a person's head roughly in 20 minutes. You're gonna have a more of an emotional response to that 20-minute pencil drawing versus that frame that took literal months of man
0: hours when you combine it together. But you just ten, right. my well, point
2: being is that it's the hand. If they the drew every of the frame artist. of the
0: Avengers, take way longer. Well, <laughs> well no, 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 the point
1: no, no, no. is that, you know, <laughs> it's the human element.
2: Yeah.
3: it's
1: the human factor here, where you know it's it's one person produced this thing. That's why you have suburbs like top talent or whatever, you know, where mm-hmm. it's like it's so cool. This one person was able to do this thing. In theory, this person did this. So I could too. Yeah. So,
0: if one person Versus made the Avengers, like, it'd oh, be better. 10 people it made would, this, 1,000
1: people made this. I
0: couldn't but do that it, because
2: 1,000 people are required. But, but if one person made the Avengers, it would be so inspiring. Well, oh, of course it so would. captivating. But also, like,
0: in, like just an anomaly would that going, would never happen again.
2: But you would say, holy <laughs> shit, every time like a new shot came on, which is kind of what happens is, when you watch any of Ian Hubert's stuff. Sure. <laughs> yeah? sure. yeah.
1: Well, but, I mean, I kind of experienced a little bit of that back in 2013 when I came out with my Harry Potter short film. You mm-hmm. know, it was like I spent half a year on that thing. It had over 100 vfx shots smoke sims and all that stuff and it was like it it was a pretty polished short film i I feel like i've come a long way since then but the point is that i think a lot of people knew it was basically just me who made that video Mm -hmm. and so the whole time watching it they're like oh wow one person made this yeah it kind of changes your interpretation of what you're seeing You, you, you tend to be a lot uh more forgiving on mistakes and, like, visual things like, oh, yeah, it's a little amateur, but, hey, it was just one person. So well, look but <laughs> look at all all, all the other stuff they
0: did. Now, yeah. Is that something that's just something that uh, is more of an aspirational aspect to it? Because, like, obviously we make videos and do this kind of stuff. And so if I see someone, like, I see one guy do something incredible, I see, like, Peter releases a funny, like, video, I'm like, wow, I know one guy made all that, and that's impressive because I want to get better at making this kind of stuff too. It's like I would say it's not. It, just it feels like an aspirational element. Like you know, viewers it, on YouTube want to make videos. The reason I say too.
2: the reason I say it's not just aspirational is because you had the same effect when you watched Jackie Chan fight scenes.
0: You're okay, like, yeah. this is just a
2: human operating at the top of their capability, and it's super entertaining watching this person do what they do best. Versus like if it was like many fight scenes now, if it was super polished, covered from a hundred different angles, hyper edited, crazy sound design. It can be cool if there's other context around it, like if it's creatively cool and it's executing something that's, you know, visually been never been like directed before. You know, that's one thing. But if it's just a fight scene, it has zero impact versus like you go to that old school fight scene. You know, well, it's Jackie Chan doing something. And it has so much more impact.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, I'm not it's saying it's I, the human touch. It's the, the touch I, of the artist. I, I don't disagree with that's the concept of that statement. But what I do disagree is the fact that there's one thing that's better than the other. Because I, they're, they're like separate concepts. Like, I watched Blade Runner, the new one. I saw it twice in theaters.
1: You saw it twice in theaters?
0: Yeah, because the first time I saw it, it was so amazing that when I heard... you <laughs> see it again? More, more, more guys were going out to see it. Nico and like Mike and Jan were seeing it again. I was like, yeah, I want to see that movie again. And I watched it again. I was like, this is even better. Like, oh, I
2: just realized you said Blade Runner, not Blade. Blade, Blade Runner. But, but like, but when did we go see Blade? And that was made. There
0: was, there is no human touch on that film. I disagree. Oh, on Blade yeah? Runner.
1: Yeah, 2049.
0: I mean, call it, call it what you want, but I wouldn't describe it as the human, like the painterly touch. I didn't see the brush strokes. I mean, there's a little there bit of Roger that. Deacon's touch. Maybe it's Roger Deakins but actually, who knows you know how to film stuff. You know what, I, a, I actually, I do agree it's with you. Great, it's great cinematography. You
2: don't see the hand of the artist in Blade Runner 2049, but that takes us back to the beginning of this, which is Blade Runner 2049 has creative saturation throughout. It's not a generic script mm-hmm. with really good cinematography. It's not a boring movie with good visual effects. The whole thing is through and through creatively executed all the way down to every single detail. So yeah. the, the crazy visual effects are justified by also having a crazy story in a crazy world and crazy, like crazy everything. Yeah. I
1: mean, but another factor on top of that is is the fact that like every shot looks amazing just from like a pure like artistical beauty standpoint as mm-hmm. opposed to like a technical achievement.
0: Well, I mean, isn't yeah. Tron like that or something? Not always. Yeah, ish. Mean,
2: a little bit. But like that's the other thing is like with, with Blade Runner 2049, sometimes the shot's pretty just because they put the camera in the right spot. And it has nothing to do with how many people worked on it. It's just them going... Lower the camera by two feet. It's a better angle. Oh, and maybe just haze that up a little bit. Perfect. You're like, that's a beautiful shot. The composition is stunning. And all I did was pick a lens and pick a camera position. Mm -hmm. You know? There's not 500 people working months and months and months to deliver that shot to
1: you. Again, we're coming back to my TED Talk. It was like, (laughs) because that that won the visual effects Oscar Hmm. uh, was that movie. But the other big contender was uh, War for the Planet of the Apes, the third Planet of the Apes movie. You know? And it's like, the effects in that movie, in my opinion, were far better.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. But it's just a bunch of monkeys walking around. I
0: guess, yeah. Maybe from a technical standpoint, there's more advanced things going on there. But the thing is, I mean, maybe it is just a cinematography thing at that rate because it's like, it's not about the visual effects, but it's just like, you know, how do you capture it? and convey it to an audience. You know? it,
1: it comes down to the fact that it's like Blade Runner kind of just, it, it engulfs you inside of its movie and its world so well that you just kind of forget that anytime you're seeing like the spaceship walk flying around the spaceship, walking around or, or like yeah. the, the little hologram lady, like phasing through him and, and whatnot. Like you never really consider like, Oh yeah, that's a visual effect. You're like, Oh yeah, that, that hologram man, sh- that'd be cool to have as yeah. opposed to like war for the planet of the apes. You're constantly looking at these apes acting. You're like, wow. That ape has some really good eye animation. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. You know, it kind of like there's an analogy
2: that comes to mind. So I just saw the Ford versus Ferrari movie and they bring up how like, well, at Ford, it's an assembly line and every person has a job. One person tightens the bolts. The other person polishes the chrome. The other person airbrushes the fender. I don't I'm just making these jobs up. I don't know how cars was <laughs> <were> made, <laughs> but, you know, it goes down the assembly line. Each each person's just part of an assembly line. Whereas at Ferrari, one person makes the entire engine of a car, you know, so it's like each person makes one car. So it's not, you know, it's not a car passing through a hundred different hands. It's one car in one hand until the car is basically finished. You know, I'm simplifying a little bit, but it's, you know, it kind of brings into mind this whole visual effects thing. Like these days, visual effects are basically a factory line where a single shot passes through the hands of hundreds of people. Right. Not hundreds but I lots see where of people. You're going with
1: this yeah absolutely
2: but if you see another shot where it's just one craftsman maybe with the help of a couple other has made that one shot it hits you differently you know it feels like it's a work of art the other one feels like a
1: product I think that kind of goes back to what we we're talking about with writing and why mm-hmm. it's just one person who writes something versus a committee yeah uh I think the other thing with writing too though is that like especially these days because you
2: know writing making movies is a business decision yeah at least big movies are you know so it's mm-hmm. When when a movie gets greenlit, like it wasn't like somebody went, you know what? God, I love Tron, and I just have this Id- i have this idea I've been working on for years of another story in Tron. I would just I just need the opportunity. Like that's not how Tron started. Tron started with somebody going, "What's an IP that I have?
0: Yeah, that I can it's, revisit." It's more like, a, uh, it's about time we made another Tron movie. So uh, yeah, any ideas? I'm gonna <laughs> hire you and you to write Tron.
2: Cool, thanks. I guess I'll just put a story together. And, okay, ah, oh shit, what do I need? Ten pages. I need, like, one of those scenes that gets you know gets me from here to here. I'll just open my, let's see, I'll open my book of movie scenes. I'll What's use that scene and I'll change mm-hmm. the names.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so a guy delivers a script in a couple months, and then they go off and they make the movie, you know? It's the same thing happened with, like, you know, I don't know. There's lots of films where they're literally, they write the script in, like, a couple months. I mean, the second Star Wars movie. Came I mean, ask- heck, <clears throat> all the Star Wars movies that recently came out are perfect examples of that.
1: I would disagree with that.
2: <laughs> not all of them well not eh, at least then the the bane three that came out i would still disagree one of them i think stands out i mean ryan are you talking about ryan johnson i am i mean it's still like it could have been better And the reason because that is like they bring Ryan Johnson on. It's like, okay, you got a couple months to bang this out. We shoot on this date. He had a lot of time to work on it. The problem there was that he had a lot of oversight from Disney. Right. Well, they also didn't have any plan for all three movies either. That is, you know, no one sat down and did the creative legwork before deciding they want to make a Star Wars movie. Star Wars wasn't created because someone said, I have these stories to tell. Star Wars was created because I go, we need some money to make.
1: Yeah, it's time to make some Star Wars. Now we got to make some. Stores. No, I, I do 100% stories. agree with you there, and and that's what frustrated me so much about the entire trilogy is the fact that like the third movie just kind of like retconned a lot of the stuff in the second movie is like, oh, actually we're gonna do, go this
0: way, and like yeah, I, it was I so, heard recently... it was so <laughs> obvious, it was so stupidly and I heard obvious. Recently
1: that they were even like shooting, they had already begun shooting and Ray. Uh, didn't know for a fact whether or not uh, <laughs> Palpatine was gonna be her grandfather or not. Like J was like, Ah, yeah, he'll be he's your granddaddy. And then like a couple weeks later, I was like, Oh, actually, uh, we don't know yet. We we're still working on that. And it's like that is the perfect example of how there wasn't a through line outline for the entire like story yeah. to build out from there. There
2: wasn't a story that needed to be told. No one had created a story that they needed to tell. Instead, they just said, We need to make a Star Wars movie. Let's start making up a story so we can do it which is you don't get great stories that way necessarily
0: yeah it's pretty stupid <clears throat> the only thing good in that movie was when like in the beginning she goes to like the palpatine like cryo chamber and it was so awesome and epic i, was I like, didn't
2: watch the third one i kind of refused to
0: i i after that scene we, 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 we were dealing with kids and stuff so we didn't finish it but that was awesome <laughs> it was like the it big- was it was like she's walking around and there's like giant like monolith like towers and fog and stuff. And it's like all lightning and stuff. And you're like, wow, this is like Dark Souls in the future. And it was so sick. Hmm. And then then there's like a then they go to like Burning Man. <laughs> <laughs> they did go to Burning Man. <laughs> Which is inconsequential. And then, and then also Chewbacca and dies then and then dies, doesn't die. And then exactly. <laughs> They're like, Chewbacca, no, you're driving on the wrong.
1: <laughs> Which then, was a very cool moment. It was like, because they were having like this force pull moment, like pulling the ship back and forth. And then she accidentally blows it up with freaking force lightning, killing wow. Chewie. Ray well, no. kills Chewie. And it was like, oh my Chewy God, out. that was such a big deal. And literally the very next scene, ha, psych, Chewie's on the other ship. It was like. <laughs> why are you doing that's such that's such lazy storytelling
2: yeah
0: it's just like oh yeah it's like how did he get there it's like no he was they, they, they were all just wrong actually they all the characters all the entire ensemble cast including Chewie's best friends like they just it was a big mix-up there was there was no clever escape he just they they just got mixed up quick but it's no big deal did not there was a little crying a lot of tears Someone probably had a small heart attack. <laughs> Turns out, uh, yeah, they just got a yeah. I mean, yeah, I I, I definitely do
1: not uh, disagree that there are a tremendous number of problems with the story of the new Star Wars movies.
2: Yeah. So, how do you make visual effects shots have an impact? How do you not have it just be another step to waste another couple seconds for somebody to get to the well? Next scene? It's
1: easier when you have a smaller budget. Because then you have to pick and choose when your visual effects happen. And that is something we've always done at Corridor. Or on Corridor videos, at least. It's like, all right, three moments. That's all you get. Yeah. <laughs> and with, like, little VFX shots sprinkled in. But, like, there's usually just, like, one cool moment, a second cooler moment, and then a third ultra cool moment. Mm-hmm. And where, like, all of the effort goes into These are your set pieces. And it's like, you know, those are the ones that are going to take your time. Uh... And what makes those cool is that all of the shots preceding it and following it aren't that cool, so mm-hmm. it's immediately standing out as "whoa, this is different."
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that, I don't know. Part of it, I think, for us is that's how you set shots apart to make them look cool.
2: <laughs> yeah, you need you need dynamics and contrast. It's the same exactly. thing with like with like a hit, you know, or a gunshot. If your soundtrack is just and then there's a gunshot, you can't hear it, you know, and it's like. And then it sounds loud and it has yeah. impact. You know, the same thing goes for visuals. <laughs> for brief moment, the screen needs to go dark, and then you throw a visual effect shot on the
0: screen. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a bad horror movie. It's the visual equivalent of a horror movie. You slowly fade out the footage, and there's a really bright shot. You're like, oh. Yeah, but actually, that works. actually they do do that. <laughs> that works all yeah. the time. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: movies uh, like Avengers and whatnot. I, I keep saying Avengers, but I'm I'm mostly referring to the two final ones: Infinity War and Endgame. You know, it's mm-hmm. like. I thought those movies were very good movies. I, I totally agree. I uh, think they're awesome. I think I think the story is good. Obviously, like all the acting is always good because they have amazing actors. The performances are always great. Uh, the visual effects, on the other hand, are it's it they they exist in this weird dichotomy of being like literal top grade effects, but also slightly generic. Yeah, totally.
2: When we did our Marvel versus rate, or Marvel rated R video, like I realized just how cartoony I guess for lack of a better words, a lot of the visual effects were
0: not cartoony but like see this is the thing you're like oh visual effects how do we use them like it's not about visual effects visual effects are just tools to tell stories it's like not about what you're seeing but what's happening that's all it comes down to mm-hmm. in, in the Marvel movies they work perfectly well like they have a very flat cinematography style it's very neutral the visual effects in a weird way kind of match that because once again like they show the outstanding events that are happening to the characters and they treat them as such, so to speak. They're like it's 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 in the service of what's happening on screen. It just so happens that what's happening on screen it has to do with these incredible characters. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'm 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 a huge defender of these Marvel movies oh, at this I'm, rate. I thought because, they were good too. Because after like hearing how like people are like crapping on superhero movies and like all these directors, like no, it's not cinema. It's like oh, fuck off. <laughs> you know, it's just like it's just they're movies. You don't have to watch them. It's like every other thing people get offended by this race. It's just like, just don't worry about it then. It's not <laughs> affecting you. You know, it's like, but they're, they're, they're incredibly well executed. So,
2: I mean, arguably, I mean, the Avengers movies are great because a, they have a huge like backlog of creative energy that's already been put into those stories. Yeah. You know, yeah
0: Very. Have- actually, I think that's the big fucking point here. These movies have had decades and decades of story writing that they embraced. Unlike Star Wars also unlike the, you know uh, mm-hmm. yeah the DC universe, and I, I think that's too. the big fucking jacked up part of the star wars movies is they're like hey let's just gonna we're gonna scrap this whole universe of that's mostly canon and like mostly cohesive mm-hmm. and we're gonna just like rewrite all this crap and it's like what, what why did you do that like there was like so much thought and energy already put into story writing here that's like fantastic yeah
2: I it's the same exact thing we saw the game of thrones too but like you know I think they're pulling a lot of Infinity War and Endgame from 90s comics, if I'm not mistaken, but maybe it goes into, you know, the 20s and the 2010s.
1: Well, the the Infinity War issue. Yeah. Like, the were <laughs> series of issues, like that story.
2: Yeah, so they have all that to pull from, and they did. And, like, Avengers <clears throat> is a character film, at the end of the day. Like, they're mm-hmm. all character films, and they're really well-executed character films. And so, you know, arguably the creative energy has been put in to match the visual energy of those films.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, exactly. And... Yeah. I think a, a very clear uh, comparison can be drawn to DC movies. Mm-hmm. You know, Superman versus Batman. Which was definitely a, a, started with a producer going, what's a cool title for a film?
2: Batman versus Superman. Okay, who can I hire to write a story that matches the title? Wait,
0: did, did they already, <laughs> they, I swear they did comics for that. I mean, they
2: did do comics
1: for that. But, but that, my, my point is that DC also has a huge decades-old backlog of, of great comics with fantastic stories to draw from. The same, practically the same as Marvel mm-hmm. in the, in that in terms of like what they can pull from to get great stories. But why didn't DC do that when Marvel could?
0: Yeah. Dumb. <laughs> oh, <You're dumb. laughs> um. yeah.
2: So I think as as somebody like on the fringes of the industry, it does make me sad when something comes out that just show showcases just. People working for months and months and months of their lives and millions and millions of dollars spent just to give me the same pepperoni pizza I've eaten a hundred times before. It's like, you guys did a good job. It's a nice pepperoni pizza, cooked well. Pepperonis are on it. There's cheese and sauce, crunchy. But it would have been cool to taste a pizza flavor I've never tasted before if you're going to spend months making me a pizza. And there's a direct analogy to video games, too, right now, too, where it's like the same thing, you know, millions of dollars and years of effort being put into games. Well, maybe not years, but, you know, millions of dollars of effort and artistry being put into video games that are just the same exact gameplay. loop. Sure. Yeah.
0: Know? Although, I mean, you know, it's, it's pretty negative, too. It's like, what? it's all these fucking dumb people not making me a good film. <laughs> you know, it's. <laughs> I think it shows the creative like I like the, the the scarcity of creativity, so to speak, in a way where it's like it shows Hey, it's hard to make things good. It's rare to make things good, and yes, everyone's trying to do so. Mm-hmm. Not everyone is succeeding on all fronts by any standpoint, but you know, it's it's through that same system that creates that. It also does create genius stuff as well. And you know, if everyone could just go out and make incredible films, you know, it's either a well, hold on, <laughs> if every, if everyone could just go out and make incredible films, this world would be a very different place. We would have <laughs> had. Tesla cars like three hundred years ago. Probably. Okay, you know. Or
1: but, would our uh, would the bar for excellence be different? Where it's the, like the bar you for could take a normal it would just be even higher. It's well, it just be that's even my higher. point. It would it's be like, like I
0: watched your movie and I didn't get a telepathic message in my sleep the next night. It's like, you know, it's like, <laughs> you're like, like, how did you, you know, you didn't, Lay, they
2: put all this energy into making the film. They didn't put any energy into the telepathic resonance from it. Yeah, <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. I mean, but seriously, it's like it's just it would get even higher. It's either that or. There's like maybe two movies released every year.
2: I mean, arguably there's you know? a bunch of great filmmaking coming out. It's just, it's not coming from the process of somebody greenlighting a film because of a business decision and then forcing a creative process to happen through that with short time and then dumping money and talent mm-hmm. onto the, the
1: end of it, which is just okay. a totally imbalanced way to approach making a film. I, yeah, I agree. Well, so here's, here's a question then. Um, what is your favorite movie to come out in recent history? Like, say this year. What's your favorite movie so far this year?
0: I didn't see any movie. I saw Little Women this year. Okay, well then... That's the only full movie I watched this year.
1: Let me rephrase. What (laughs) is the last... When was the last time you saw a movie when you are like, wow, I think that might be my favorite movie I've seen in a while? I'll start. (laughs) (laughs) Palm Springs. Came out on Hulu. I need to check that out. I need to check that out. It is probably my favorite movie I've seen this year it's basically what happens if you get the lonely island guys to make groundhog day yeah i need to check it out it's it's very good it because i mean uh oh i know my answer okay good but yeah my point is that like that movie has some visual effects in it there are some some shots that are effects but they're not like world-class effects there's a few times where i'm like wow i could have done that shot better which kind of is crazy? This is a Hollywood movie. This is a blockbuster movie. It was supposed to be a blockbuster. Then COVID killed blockbusters. But uh, that's why it's on Hulu. Um, <laughs> it's uh, the story is good. The characters are great. The direction is great. Uh, and but really, it's just the story. I just I love the story so much. Now I'm also a huge sucker for for time repeating stories. Edge of Tomorrow is one of my favorite yeah. movies <laughs> of all time. Oh yeah. I did recently watch Groundhog Day for the first time. Hated it. <laughs> did not like that movie. <laughs> Why is that? I the, well okay, part of it is because it's like the first time someone had ever I I shouldn't say I I hated it. I didn't hate it. I just it didn't live up to the expectations. This is like the classic time r- repeat story, right? But Bill Murray's character is just a dick yeah. for too long in the movie. It's yeah. like he doesn't deserve the uh, the change of character that he gets by the end of it when he's suddenly an angel. It's like he spends way too much of the movie being kind of creepy and just being just a dick to everyone. And then, but then the movie okay. finally goes into like, yeah, oh yeah. yeah, like, oh, he's learning his, his ways. He, oh, he learned how to become a master pianist and all this stuff. And he's an angel now. Okay. Everyone's yeah, happy. yeah, you
0: didn't, you didn't like it. I get it. It's fine. <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed it.
1: When was the last time you saw
0: it? Uh, whenever. I would agree with
2: your assessment, but as the first of its kind, it was great. I do agree with that. If it was not your first time seeing that kind of movie, you're like, eh, I would also see that. Yeah. Yeah. I I
1: did see Groundhog Day for the first time after watching both Palm Springs and Edge of Tomorrow.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Edge of Tomorrow would ruin Groundhog Day.
1: (laughs) Groundhog's Day? I don't, yeah. I I think it's Groundhog Day. I don't know. But I always said Groundhog's Day for the longest time. Uh, My movie of the year so far would be Toy Story 4. Okay. Okay. I watch that movie movie. uh,
0: once a week. (laughs) (laughs) I Watch that movie once a week. Yeah, play movie. Love it. Uh, no, it's I, I, funny because I, I, I know you're serious. I'm 100 serious. I literally watch that movie once a week. It's a yeah, gorgeous Gideon. movie. Gideon loves it, and yeah, it's fantastic.
2: And honestly, like the concept of a of what makes a toy alive, like which is just kind of a, almost like a C story in the movie, maybe a B story. Like the fact that they went there and like had the freedom to mess around with that concept like i really like that you know so has kind of the basic you know gotta do the right thing and be there for your friends and all that kind of stuff but like there's enough other fun things happening around that main
1: storyline which they probably just
2: kind of have to put in there that are like inventive that I'm like okay this is pretty rad
1: it's oh. it's my favorite uh, I was about to say Star Wars movie. <laughs> <laughs> Toy Story movie. There we go. It's my favorite Toy it's, Story it's movie. It's the best Toy
0: Story movie for sure. And yeah.
1: and when I first voiced that, I think I tweeted about that whenever I first saw the movie. When did it come out? Was it last year? 2019? I'm not sure. Maybe I saw maybe. it after it came to, to Blu-ray. Um, but I tweeted, I was like, it was my favorite Toy Story movie by far. I thought it was incredible. And everyone was like, you liked it more than Toy Story 3? How <laughs> dare you? I was like, what? <laughs> I wasn't Story. that big of a fan of Toy Story 3. I thought it was okay.
0: Toy Story 3 is trite compared to it. It's, it's, yeah.
1: Trite. Interesting. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's
0: trite. You're like, huh. It's like, it's like, a, Hah. you know? to <laughs> so do you Toy Story 2 it's is like, the, okay, Hah. yeah. It's like, because Toy Story 3 is just the same story as the first two. It's like the same style of story, so to speak, where it's like, hey, we're toys in another wacky toy situation. <laughs> Barbie dolls. You know, it's like this one, Toy Story 4, I don't know. Well, like, it expands the characters so much because it's, it's a completely different setting from the first one, which is like, here's a world. Where like kids exist, but aren't they? They but they're not in charge anymore. You know what I mean? It's mm. like these. It's like adult situations for these toys, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and it's, First so it's 4 totally
2: is made for all age groups. Yeah. Plus,
1: yeah. it is by far the best looking Pixar film oh, yeah. ever made. Yeah. It is it's no nuts. contest. It's gorgeous,
2: dude. I saw it in HDR. And
1: oh, did blew you? Blew me
2: away like the carnival lights and everything. Yeah. And he, I really want to uh, <laughs> bring or do another animators react me with Eric. And have them break down the different animations in Toy Story because there is a masterclass of different styles of animation, like the ventriloquist dummies Mm -hmm. animating one way versus like I love those dummies, the child's doll versus another, like versus like Spoon Man, you know, like (laughs) whatever his name is, Uh, Sporky, 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 like all of them and even woody's animated like a marionette kind of well not marionette but like a floppy rag doll no they mm-hmm.
0: do the marionette animation on them quite a lot where it's almost like sometimes he defies gravity yeah in a weird creepy way it's, it's, it's- like
2: there's an invisible hand holding him and shaking yeah, him. yeah. and then uh, of course uh the stunt guy voiced by keanu reeves like, yeah he's like they're all animated so differently and each one has such like feeling and character to the animation like you take it for granted it's like oh it's a, a ventriloquist dummy of course it moves that way just like wait a minute. Somebody had to figure out how to make it move with that character.
0: Yeah, like it's all, like the limp heads that, like, it's like if they're if they're not being driven, they like go limp. Yeah, like they're I've yeah, those details are incredible in that film.
1: Well, also, it's like anytime you think of a Pixar movie, there's a very distinct aesthetic you think of. It's mm-hmm. like that CG look of like kind of clay. And they completely but did away with it. This they time. they haven't done that clay look in decades, really. No. Like the first Toy Story and even the second Toy Story, kind of like the last like movies that really kind of. Uh, didn't really have texture. Because I remember seeing a special about Toy Story 3, how it's like, it still has that sort of fake look, but all of the individual materials and textures are all hyper-real. Yeah. And it's like, well, it's, it's a weird way to balance that, where it's like...
0: I think it's, a, once again, cinematography. Yeah. I think it comes to a lot down to that. It's like, yes, you can have your rendering quality, you can have your visual effects. It's all about how you're shooting it and communicating it on screen. It always has to pass through this quote-unquote lens, mm-hmm. and that filter can skew your reaction to a shot or a scene or visual effect in any direction it's like Wally is i think the only other one that's kind of like in that same level their rendering quality in Wally isn't as high and just because it's you know 12 years ago but the way they shot it if once again i watch Wally uh, once a day right now <laughs> uh, we always i always put it on what, 8.30 p.m. We watch wall We've been doing that every night for like the last week because he freaking loves wall right now. I do that every night with your son. So, every <laughs> night I watch wall with your son. <laughs> um, but WALL-E, in, in all seriousness, it, they have a, a very it, – it's someone with a very good cinema background basically DP'd that. Yeah. And, well, even yeah. for like
1: for Toy Story 4, they specifically like develop these looks that replicate the look of lenses and film yeah yeah and and you know e- and they even had freaking like split diopter shots in toy story 4 <laughs> did you watch that the
0: nerd writer video about I did. it yeah. I, it's been a long time but it's that was great. what
1: pointed me out so i was like that is true holy crap
0: yeah it's pretty nuts <laughs> yeah they they went all out
1: and and it's like those are things you can do in, in camera uh split diopters where you have like a piece of glass covering half of the the lens and so that makes it so that you can have Two different spots at two different depths, both being focus with a, a, a seam down the middle that you ideally can't see mm-hmm. in visual effects or in CG stuff. You can do whatever you want, but they specifically emulated the split diopter look to maintain that sort of uh, visual consistency with all the other lensed shots yeah. in the movie. Totally. Somebody must have seen the Lego movie and is like, oh, okay, fine. We'll make it look like that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Lego
1: movie. That's right. That well, was a
2: good that, one. That's what set yeah. the bar.
1: That was, okay. That's a movie that had great effects and a great story.
2: Yeah. yeah. Lego movie is also, the, I think one of those animated films that came out. It's was like, guys, you can make your CG look photo real. People will still enjoy it as a cartoon. And Pixar was like, "Okay, fine. Okay. <laughs> I'll turn. I'll check the global illumination box finally.
0: <laughs> yeah
2: I'm just kidding. they've had radiosity and all that stuff in there forever.
1: But yeah, I mean, that just goes back to what I was saying. It's like, you know, if you actually like look close at every individual texture or material in in even Toy Story Three or whatever other movies came out around that same time, it's like that texture is how that texture actually looks like in real life. Mm-hmm. But the combination of all of the textures that make up the final scene, Still give you that Pixar aesthetic mm-hmm. that doesn't look photoreal.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's kind of weird is, how that happens.
2: I think it's because the lighting itself is detached from realism. Not that they aren't rendering the lights individually, individually with the realistic parameters, but that there's unrealistic lighting in the scene. Yes. Okay. I, I, I a, a character right. will be at one light level. There'll be light shining on somebody that aren't visible. Yeah. You know, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's the
0: same
2: I thing agree. that happened with the dinosaurs in Jurassic World, where it's just like mm-hmm. hmm, there are light sources on these dinosaurs that are not hitting anything else in the scene but the dinosaur.
1: That, that Velociraptor uh, blends in too much with the background. Can you add a bit of an edge light on him? <laughs> there isn't a light in the scene to motivate that. No, it doesn't matter. Do, Do it. it, slave. <laughs> Do it, slave. <laughs> yeah. I got another script that turned out in one week for you guys to work on. <laughs> Man, yeah. Jurassic World was such a disappointment to me. That was one where I, I was like excited for it and literally walked out being like, that wasn't a good movie. And it, yeah. it was a disappointment to me to come to terms with that thought. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah. Yeah, I just... This is my hope, that people will spend more time uh, making films because they have a great idea for a film as opposed to making films because they think this idea will make money and then they figure out an idea that fits the mold after the fact.
1: Yeah, and that just comes down to the industry, right? It's like, you know, that's why we're seeing fewer and fewer films get made at smaller budgets of, you know, 5 to $50 because mm-hmm. the money is all in the blockbusters because people are going to see movies fewer yeah. or less frequently. You, you think seeing blockbusters fewer are going
2: to survive COVID?
1: I think they'll come back. I think I think we'll see a surge once people are feel safe going back to theaters. I think the whole world or the whole country at the very least will just embrace it.
2: Every every cinema right now, every company is just holding on, waiting for that to be for them to be the ones to finally last to the end and be the one. I mean, it's like what I've always
1: said. is like the moment I can safely and morally attend a party. I'm going to a party. I don't care where that party is. I'm attending it. And I bridge, have a feeling most a people, sewer, dude. I, I love care. sewer parties. <laughs> Give me some pizza and mutant ninja turtles.
0: Give me some mutant juice, yeah.
1: <laughs> but like, I, I I think people, having been denied movie theaters for so long, will come back. It'll be a surge, and then it'll go back to the way it was beforehand.
0: Mm-hmm. As long as anyway, yeah, and then they'll
1: slowly die. And know. then they'll slowly and die, die they'll because the industry embraced video on demand <laughs> through this whole time period.
0: i was like you know what's gonna be cool paying 30 bucks for mulan
1: mulan
0: mulan
1: (laughs) (laughs) got mulan Um, and jimmy
0: yeah no i support jimmy and all his endeavors but i'm just saying it's kind of silly to pay 30 bucks for a movie to see (laughs) on the internet i'll I'll wait until december i don't need to i mean
1: i don't know if if tenant came out and it was like hey it's 30 bucks i'd be like if it was really okay, good. Okay, you're right. I'd pay
0: thirty bucks I'd pay 30 if I just watch that house. Tenant? Yeah, okay. You're right. right. I probably wouldn't. I'd That's probably it. wait for it to come out. It's just it's just yeah. Yeah. Not my not my thing. We'll see. Maybe my son will like it, and I'll be forced to watch it every night.
2: <laughs> watch Tenet, Tenet every night.
0: <laughs> oh no, I meant Mulan. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Mulan, daddy, daddy, put on a put on Mulan. Put on Dunkirk again. <laughs> daddy, <laughs> Show give me you? the scene where the where the pilot crashes one more time, daddy. Can you? Dunkirk
1: was a movie I was also slightly disappointed in. Did you guys see that one? I, I enjoyed it. it. I loved what it did with the, the variable time frames, but like I kind of walked out of that movie kind of just feeling It's cool. a movie
2: that I don't have any desire to watch a second.
1: That was time. it. That that's exactly yeah. it. I, I I enjoyed watching it. I think I like the movie. I'm probably never gonna watch it again.
0: Sure, no. but would you watch Gravity again? Yeah. Probably. Okay.
1: I've watched I've
2: watched shots Gravity, from twice. Gravity
0: Okay, you watched yeah. yeah, because yeah,
2: like I've... they're kind of
0: in the same <laughs> vein where they're like survival stories where like you watch them, you're like, Woo! That was intense. And you're like, it's like you don't go like you want to watch that again. It's like, <laughs> it's like no, I'm good. It was intense. Like I was on the edge of my seat the whole time, and it was it was, in at times it actually kind of uncomfortable. It Dude, was so effective. That's the movie Everest. Did you guys ever see
1: Everest? Mm-hmm. One of the most tense movies I've ever seen. It's about these guys trying to climb Everest, and half of them die. But like, Rip. it's it's a real story. But it was like, I, I I was. So soaking wet from sweating, <laughs> from <that movie. laughs> <peeing> my
0: pants. <laughs> all right, all right. Cool. Well, good movies.
1: That's
2: our musings on uh, the state of the industry and what I guess what it takes to make a visual effects shot be good. Turns hey, out Nico, it takes. Why, a why good don't movie? you make
0: a better movie if you think you can complain about others? I'll keep working on it. Okay, I'm getting good. better
1: little by little. I mean, that is a very common and prevalent criticism is that,
0: like that is the ultimate criticism it's like how dare you criticize movies if you can't do better yourself
1: well no seriously like
2: i think i mean as far as like somebody who understand like trying to understand storytelling through film i'm i think i'm just barely starting to get there like, just barely no seriously like i feel like with tactical three loads well, and, yeah. and you monster and like kind of just going back to like meme Mon. like i didn't write that but like you know through like the past two years or so i feel like myself and honestly all of us as a group like we're starting to understand story on film A little bit better
1: and this is you saying that after 15 years of doing it yes Uh, there's a lot of things I did not understand
2: until recently and honestly it's like going back and doing the simple stories and just doing them well and functional and like making sure like is your do you have suspension of disbelief does anything distract you from the story does it flow and is it fun and do you follow the emotional arcs yes cool then it's fine if it's the most basic story in the world I'm going to start with that and then we'll work from there
0: you know but if you're James Cameron you're banned from doing that. Oh, I mean, come on, James Cameron. <laughs> Stay up that a little bit. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm just playing around. Just, just playing you, around. I, all I
2: can say is I hope Avatar 2 involves an avatar going back in time to protect a young human
0: child. How about this? While How about
2: another this? alien hunts them down.
0: That's a good idea. Hold that thought. We can put your theory and your story to the test. Let's, let's do this. I want you to help me beat James Cameron avatar 2 with a better story all right let's do it okay oh boy we're gonna do it (laughs) oh boy this is an idea we've had for the crew channel and it seems like this podcast is a great kicking off point oh boy (laughs) don't forget those
1: those avatar people the navi are like 10 feet tall so if you're if you're motion capping that
0: i'm retcon that we'll figure that out (laughs) we might still fall back on having an ai write the script but we'll edit it (laughs)
1: <laughs> i like
0: that idea a lot
1: because then any any blame oh, you put on the ai no, not you
0: no, no, what if you actually edit an ai script and then like going like, no like we're actually trying to make it better like how do we actually really really try and make this good <laughs> anyways whatever i'm done
2: dude what if the ai script is good how is that going to shake us to the core well <laughs> yeah all Cool. Well, everybody, thank you for listening to the podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll see you in the next one.
1: All right, bye-bye. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening.
2: And cut.